Welcome to the Jeremiah Patterson Show. On this podcast, I discuss news, politics, and history. I also make analogies to current events and make sense of it. I orchestrate specials and exclusive interviews. On this episode, I will talk about the astonishing front page of the New York Times, the inexplicable rationale behind states reopening, and a piece by Michael Bloomberg. Yesterday was Memorial Day, and on that day, we remember those who have served our country with rigorous devotion and ethical leadership. We also now, unfortunately, remember the nearly 100,000 Americans who have died from the coronavirus. But how did we get here? What happened? If you remember, I have covered on this show the president's downplaying of this pandemic. I've covered it so you comprehend what's going on and what the president is disregarding and doing. For instance, on March 10th, when the president said we were prepared and we're doing great with it, the United States had reached 1,000 deaths. The backstory is the president downplaying this pandemic. The backstory is the president insisting that states reopen. The backstory is the president calling this pandemic a democratic hoax. The backstory is the president pretending this pandemic is over. And so he went golfing. The backstory is some people disregarding social distancing and being absolutely selfish about it. That is the inconceivable truth that we as Americans have to live with. People were told to stay home, yet some people still went out. But it also rises to the national leadership. The president of the United States is Donald Trump, and if we had implemented social distancing just a week earlier, 36,000 American lives would have been saved. The Washington Post writes, quote, if the United States had mustered the same kind of political and public will against the virus on March 1st, the researchers found 54,000 fewer Americans would have died of the illness, end quote. That reporting is just gut-wrenching and almost remarkable. If we had taken action earlier, we could have saved more lives. The Trump administration blasted these reports, saying they made the best decisions. Why Why weren't we testing earlier? Why was the president holding these nonsensical briefings when he put Mike Pence in charge of the White House Coronavirus Task Force? Why did the president never publicly wear a mask? Why did he continue to downplay this pandemic and spread apocryphal information about ingesting, about, excuse me, about injecting disinfectants? Why did the president condone the protest in Michigan and telling the governors to reopen, to open back up? Why did he demand adulation from governors? And if they didn't praise him, they would get nothing. I mean, I could go on, but this is the reason why we are here. We have lost nearly 100,000 Americans, and the president is insisting schools open back up, denying reports on how many lives could have been saved, distracting us, 
by saying that he's taking hydroxychloroquine. The president also spread a debunked conspiracy theory to attack an MSNBC host. The president's ability to do this, when the president does this, he's essentially changing the news cycle. So we can talk about anything else but his failed pandemic response. The news cycle here mostly has been covering the coronavirus. And when the when when the president does not want the news cycle to cover the coronavirus anymore, he will say something so outlandish, so astonishingly preposterous that it catches their attention and so they cover it. And so here on this show, we try to do the opposite. Try not to break news and feed into the president's distractions because they can be lethal. I mean, when when just just on that point there, when the president said he was taking hydroxychloroquine and insisting or in sort of saying that this is a great drug and implying that others take it, hydroxychloroquine has been found to be deadly. And for the president of the United States, the leader in the White House, the leader of our nation to say that and to spread that almost just lethal and unbelievably apocryphal information, it is sad. The president has attacked President Obama in tweets, attacked Vice President Joe Biden, who is now the presumptive Democratic nominee. He has been blaming the Democrats, shutting up scientists, and if they don't say something he doesn't like, your retribution is you're fired, or demoted, or even threatened to be fired. Meanwhile, states are reopening. Even the states that are seeing an uptick in cases, and cases are rising exponentially. Even though public health experts are warning that reporting could drive a resurgence in cases, excuse me, let me, let me go back. Even though public health experts are warning that reopening could drive a resurgence in cases, Dr. Anthony Fauci had said that the probability of a second wave of this disease is, quote, inevitable, end quote. Here in South Carolina, uh, I get this daily notification on my phone from the Post and Courier, and what they report is every time they report on cases in South Carolina, it's not usually a decline, but more cases and more deaths, cases going up exponentially new reporting in cases and new reporting in deaths as they are continuing to rise exponentially. Dr. Mike Ryan, the executive director of the World Health Organization's Emergencies Program said, quote, my concern right now is that people may be assuming that the current drop of infections represents a natural seasonality and I think that's a dangerous assumption, end quote. I wanna play this audio here of how serious it is for people to stay home and hopefully people will get some clarity from this audio of really how serious it is to stay home. Take a listen. They've been warned and ordered not to do it, yet people are still gathering like it's a holiday or vacation. We found people playing football and basketball. They may think it's safe, but health experts say it's not. The thing about this virus that is unique and is very concerning 
is that there's a long incubation period. And, you know, that's the period of time when people may have the disease and they have no idea that they have it. Someone could be a carrier for up to 14 days and not know it. One person can spread COVID-19 to two people, and then those two people spread it to two others, and so on and so on until thousands are infected. We think, oh, well, my friend, you know, they haven't been very many places, but they may have come in contact with another friend who has. That's why local authorities have ordered people to stay home and not gather. And if you do have to go out for food, then you should stay six feet apart from people and don't invite people into your home. If you care about those people, you want to keep them safe. If you care about them, you want to make sure you are not the one who endangers them in any way. Because so many people are still violating the orders. In Fort Worth, the city took down basketball hoops, and some cities have closed parks and popular places. The next few weeks are critical. Officials are begging and pleading with the public to do their part to stop the spread. In Arlington, I'm Rebecca Lopez. Guys, I am... 39 years old and I am 26 weeks pregnant, nearly, with my baby. I've just been told that I have COVID-19 and I've been ill for two weeks. I've been in the hospital now since Saturday and today is Wednesday. I have pneumonia on both lungs. And I'm fighting for me and my baby. It's not worth going out. Don't think you think you wouldn't. You can get another time. I have three kids at home and a husband. But I can't see. I don't know where I'll call it from. But I'm very ill. And I'm telling you now, if you're going to meet your friends for a stupid beer on the seawall because the weather's nice, you're going to take this home and you're going to kill someone, one of your family members. Just stop going out. Listen to Boris. Just don't go out, it's not worth it. The words stay at home, those three words have been said for weeks now and for months now. And yes, of course, it seems like a simple thing, and it should be a simple thing. Even though you really do want to get out your house, they are saying it for a reason. It is to save lives and it is to stop the spread. It is to stop the spread of the coronavirus. It is to stop cases from rising exponentially. It is to stop deaths. And as we are reaching nearly 100,000 deaths, those three words are still effective. Stay home, stay at home. Those three words, they are stay at home. I mean, that last clip that I just 
that last clip that I just played there, I don't think people understand or can even just comprehend the those three words unless one person of their family or unless their friend contracts the virus or unless they contract it themselves. How many more people have to die before people understand that those three words are essential? Stay at home. Stay at home. Those three words there. Those three powerful words. When people stay at home, you are saving life. You are saving a life. When people stay at home, you are not spreading the virus to other people. People think that just because they are asymptomatic, they do not have the virus. It has already been reported that asymptomatic people can spread the coronavirus. So why is it so hard to comply with these three words? Stay at home. Yes, domestic violence is an issue. That is an issue. But for people who are not under those draconian households, for people who are not under those harsh, abusive households, why can't they stay home? The nations that have seen, I'm going to, I'm going to get to that later. The nations that have had the most success against this disease are led by women. For instance, in New Zealand, they took action early and the entire nation complied with the nationwide lockdown. Germany, which is led by Angela Merkel, as I said before, was a scientist, had had fewer deaths than Britain, France, Italy, and Spain. In Finland, according to the New York Times, Prime Minister Sana Marin governs with a coalition of four female-led parties, has had, quote, fewer than 10% as many deaths as nearby Sweden, end quote. The remarkable female, liter- the remarkable female leadership here is just amazing. CNET.com writes, quote, Some public health experts say it's too soon to reopen businesses and resume social, ac- and resume social activities, like beach-going and events. Even with limited capacity, others argue that cities must reopen to keep the economy afloat and that protective health measures will curb the coronavirus transmission in restaurants, schools, malls, and on planes. The CDC has also released guidelines to help local governments identify phases for reopening and interim suggestions for restaurants, schools, and industry. End quote. WJCL.com reports, quote, at a glance, it may look like Americans have long forgotten about the dangers of coronavirus. Crowds packed beaches in Florida, Maryland, Georgia, Virginia, and Indiana over the weekend, many venturing out without masks and others failing to keep their distance, even as officials have tirelessly highlighted the importance of both in order to prevent another surge of cases. In Missouri, hundreds attended a pool party just days after a similar party in neighboring Arkansas caused a cluster of new coronavirus cases. Arkansas governor said the state is now experiencing a, quote, second peak, end quote. We are nearing 100,000 deaths. I played those clips for a reason. I played that emotional 
piano music for a reason. To those who are too arrogant right now, this is time to this is a time to humble yourselves right now and please stay home. Please be considerate of others' lives if you cannot value your own. I mean, we are reaching a milestone here. The president was playing golf this weekend. Hmm. A true leader would be in the White House working persistently to help with these efforts, working persistently to make sure states have the resources they need. A true leader would have been in the White House in March holding these briefings, not in a nonsensical way, not attacking reporters, in particular female reporters, not spreading apocryphal information and using this pandemic to attack your democratic I mean, to, to attack your Democratic opponents and to attack those that you publicly disagree with. A true leader would have taken earlier action. A true leader would have not downplayed this pandemic when the United States was at 1,000 deaths. We cannot get that time back. Time is irrevocable. We can't get that time back. The Washington Post reports yesterday, quote, Memorial Day weekend draws big crowds as U.S. coronavirus deaths near 100,000, end quote. The most you can do as a citizen or the most you can do as a public official is to tell people to stay home. But it is up to the individual to go out. It is up to them to risk their lives of contracting this disease. It is up to them to risk going out to get a haircut or to go shoe shopping or to do whatever to risk their lives. And to infectiously kill others as they themselves may be infected and they may not know it. We are nearing 100,000 deaths. I know I have said that before, and I know I'm going to keep saying it because that number is huge. The New York Times published a list of names on the front page yesterday, and it was astonishing. Actually, a couple days ago now. 100,000 is an enormous number. And yeah, of course, we just say it because that's what's being reported. But I really want you to think about that number. 100,000, 100,000 lives, nearly 100,000 lives lost. These are lives we can't get back. If only action was taken earlier, if only the selfish and careless people had just stayed home, if only the president didn't, didn't downplay this pandemic, we could have saved more lives. Now the president is doing it again. Downplaying the probability of a second wave. Now there are 
there are some questions about the second wave. Could the second wave be more deadly than the first wave? What can we do to ensure we are not astonished by the exponential growth in cases that will come? And you know, the, the other serious question is how many more people have to die before the president and citizens, or should I say some citizens of this country understand the seriousness of this virus? It, it really infuriates me when I see all these people on the beaches and in pool parties and congregating, deliberately congregating as lives are being lost to this pandemic. Do they not care or are they, or are they aware and deliberately disregarding it? Because the president is claiming this is all over, pretending this is all over. Done and dusted. It's gone. There's no more pandemic. Oh, forget about the lives lost. That never happened. Or better yet, the New York Times, they're just, just reporting false information. That's what the president spent this weekend doing. Attacking journalistic newspapers and former presidents. This is time for serious leadership, ethical leadership. We need a leader who will stand up and literally work in the White House and get things done. Nearly 100,000 Americans have died from this pandemic. How many more Americans have to die before the president understands the seriousness of this pandemic? Nearly 675,000 Americans died in the 1918 Spanish flu. That's what was because President Woodrow Wilson never addressed the pandemic. Never. This president has addressed the pandemic but continues to downplay it. Mr. President, please stop downplaying this pandemic. It will cost lives. It has already cost nearly 100,000 Americans. How many more? How many more? We have much more ahead, including uh, a piece by Michael Bloomberg. Stick with us. At a time when we're asked to sacrifice, we step up to do our part. On the home front. On the front lines. To lend a helping hand and hold each other up. We are resilient, vigilant, and we'll get through this because we're better together even if we're a little farther apart. Inspector General serve as independent watchdogs within federal agencies and are essential to a well-functioning government. That reporting is from Pogo.com. P-O-G-O, which stands for Project on Government Oversight. The whole reason why Congress established the Inspector General was to oversee agencies and the executive branch then they'd report that information to Congress. And if the president is threatening the inspector general's work, then that is a problem. That should be a question and a hearing should be held to hold the president accountable. The federal government is not the apprentice where you can go around just firing people. I mean, you have career officials who have been there for years. The Inspector General Act of 1978 was literally put in place after Watergate. I have never been 
a quitter. To leave office before my term is completed is abhorrent to every instinct in my body. But as president, I must put the interests of America first. America needs a full-time president and a full-time Congress, particularly at this time with problems we face at home and abroad. To continue to fight through the months ahead for my personal vindication would almost totally absorb the time and attention of both the president and the Congress in a period when our entire focus should be on the great issues of peace abroad and prosperity without inflation at home. Therefore, I shall resign the presidency effective at noon tomorrow. Vice President Ford will be sworn in as president at that hour in this office. This act was put in place to ensure no corruption and no more reprehensible behavior and more importantly, to watch the act of leaders and what they do. This act was put in place to increase government accountability and prevent waste, fraud, and abuse in agencies and programs, as TheConversation.com puts it. President Jimmy Carter was a big supporter of an Inspector General and called the Inspector General Act, quote, perhaps the most important new tool in the fight against fraud, end quote. The independence of the IG is perhaps the most significant part of the Role. Pojo.com writes, quote, as the project on government oversight, Pojo has started before, has stated before, IG independence is crucial for their ability to provide objective and uncompromised reviews of their agency, reviews that benefit the government and taxpayers. The independence of IGs is one of their strongest qualities in such close entanglement entanglement with agencies should not be mentioned without stronger qualification about the value of this independence. Inspector generals were created to be internal watchdogs with dual reporting duties, with dual reporting duties, reporting not only to the head of their agency, but also to Congress about agency waste, fraud, and misconducting. POJO has worked for years to improve the IG system and support legislation to make IGs both more independent and accountable, end quote. IGs should not be fired for doing their work. Inspector generals are simply there to watch the behavior of leaders, to watch for any reprehensible and illegal behavior in the event that it transpires. The president has fired for inspector generals within the span of two months. That Michael Bloomberg piece is up next. At a time when we're asked to sacrifice, we step up to do our part on the home front, on the front lines, to lend a helping hand and hold each other up. We are resilient, vigilant, and we'll get through this because we're better together, even if we're a little farther apart. Quote, if an inspector general is removed from office or is transferred to another position or location within 
and establishment, the president shall communicate in writing the reasons for any such removal or transfer to both houses of Congress, not later than 30 days before the removal or transfer. Nothing in this subsection shall prohibit a personal action otherwise authorized by law other than transfer or removal, end quote. Michael Bloomberg, former 2020 presidential Democratic candidate and former New York mayor of, excuse me, former mayor of New York City, has published a piece at Bloomberg.com. The headline reads, quote, Trump's firing of watchdogs must be checked. Before I get into the piece, let's back up for a second. Okay, so we first got word that the president was firing these watchdogs and also demoting them. The inexplicable rationale behind the State Department IG that was fired, it just, it never made sense. I mean, we 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 did get word that he was fired, just like Dr. Rick Wright was just demoted. I mean, these IGs who are career officials who have been working here, for who have been working their positions for long times, and the president is just perceiving them as Obama administration officials, these officials have been working here for a long time and the president is now firing them. Now, apparently what happened with the Secretary of State, Mike Pompeo, is the president said that Pompeo asked him to fire the IG because the IG, because the, hold on, The IG cannot be fired by the head of the agency of which they are working for. For instance, if you have an IG in the CIA, the CIA director cannot fire that inspector general. So in Michael Bloomberg's piece here, he essentially writes that this behavior must be checked and it cannot go unchecked because this is essential. It is essential that IGs stay independent as they were so created to be. Quote, expressing concern isn't enough, isn't good enough. Senate Republicans should join with House Democrats in holding hearings that probe why the president fired four inspector generals over the past two months without, as without as a 2008 law requires, giving Congress 30 days notice and providing a written explanation. Quote, Trump said he never heard of Lennox and had no reason to fire him except that the man Lennox was investigating Secretary of State Mike Pompeo asked him to say this for the president. At least he's skipping the cover-up. Congress should finish the work itself. The Constitution vests oversight of the executive branch with the legislative branch because no administration can be trusted to polish itself. Never has that need been more apparent. And then the article goes on, quote, the intelligence community's IG, Michael Atkinson, who rightly disclosed to Congress a whistleblower complaint about the Trump's call with the Ukrainian president, which led to the president's impeachment. Again, Trump made no attempt to hide his self-serving intention, saying Atkinson, quote, he took this terrible, inaccurate whistleblower report and he brought it to Congress, end quote. Trump accused her of, 
Oh, let me back up here. The acting IG of the Department of Health and Human Services, Christy Grimm, who had written a report warning the president and the federal government about inadequate PPE and several several shortages of coronavirus tests and widespread shortages of essential equipment, Trump accused her of being a politically motivated member of the Obama administration. When in fact, quote, she is a career public servant who had worked in the inspector general's office since 1999 way before President Obama got in there. So there's a correction. The article goes on to say, quote, Trump's disdain for accountability and disregard of basic ethical standards aren't new, but this assault on IGs isn't just about the president stripping federal agencies of independent-minded watchdogs. Protests, watchdogs protects misconduct throughout the federal government. It's a corruption disaster in the making. Trump has all but dared Republicans in Congress to stand up to him. So far, only a handful have expressed any serious concern, much less called for hearings. Until that changes, the Trump administration will be able to shield itself from proper oversight and ethical violations and acts of fraud and abuse will continue unchecked. The American people of all parties should demand better. Once again... This remarkable piece from Michael Bloomberg, a former 2020 Democratic presidential candidate and former mayor of New York City, saying, hey, the president's doing this here. The president has fired these four inspector generals. This should not go unchecked. This is information and this is behavior that needs to be checked by both houses, by both the Senate and the House of Representatives, by Republicans and Democrats. This is something that needs to be checked. Hearings need to be checked into going in deep into investigations of what happened, when it happened, and why it happened. And so that is what's taking place here. And so that is Michael Bloomberg's fantastic article and giving, giving us some insight and sort of perspective on this issue. I will make sure to leave that article in the description of this episode. The last note is up next. Welcome back. So for this episode, I cover the astonishing front page of the New York Times, the inexplicable rationale behind states reopening, and the editorial piece by Michael Bloomberg on why Trump's behavior should be checked for firing these watchdogs. Make sure to share this podcast with a friend or a loved one. Don't forget to give it a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts. And also for the next episode, which will be on Wednesday of this week, I'm going to be covering uh, Trump firing these watchdogs and really what's going on here. Also, I'm going to be covering the coronavirus and a very special last note. You don't want to miss it. Thank you for listening to this episode of The Jeremiah Patterson Show. Have a great day. Stay inside, stay positive, stay hopeful, and God bless.